0: There. Thank you. My maybe seated. Uh, just for, uh, for edification here, the, the pictures are of mustard seed growing up. Isn't that interesting? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be more interesting by the time we get through this. Uh, I want to tell you a little, little story real quick. About, it was 20 years ago this summer that I went on a camping trip. Uh, I went to a portion of the National Forest called the Cahutta Wilderness north of Atlanta. Took my dog. Her name was Lucy. About 30, 35 pounds of short-legged love. She loved going camping. Uh, it, it, here's, here's the thing. Do you, I don't know if y'all do this. I can pack more when I'm going on like a weekend trip to visit somebody than I did going for three weeks overseas. Anybody else? It's like the shorter the time frame you're going, the more you pack. Oh, my good. Yeah, the more you need. Yeah. Well, that worked for me on this trip. I, I'm an experienced hiker. Well, I was at the time, right? I was an experienced hiker. I was, you know, young, strong, and... I knew what I was doing. I knew I was going to a place where I was going to hike about two miles in so that I could camp on the top of a waterfall, you know, and the, the land surrounding that. So I was like, it's only two miles. Um, You know, I, I took my big Bible instead of the pocket edition. I took a, a full, you know, five subject notebook instead of a couple of sheets of paper to write anything down on. I was just this was the time for me to get away and just be away from things. To be with the Lord, right? So, and then I thought, well, it might get cool up there. I took blue jeans with me. Who takes blue jeans on a camping trip? You know, when you're hiking, you got to put it in a backpack. You don't you know, take. I did. I I took all kinds of stuff. I was like, it's only two miles. You know, it'll it'll be easy. Well, we got there and and started going in. I didn't realize that about. 250 yards down a the trail. Then the trail takes a left and goes down nearly vertical stuff to get down to the waterfall. And so it was a little dicey, but went down, camped out, met with the Lord. It was a good time. But that night, it rained. Okay? It, it poured. Dog was up all night. She didn't like thunder. Um, but the problem is, all that heavy pack that I had, now I had the heavy pack, and everything in it has water in it. All right? So it's, it's I don't yeah, I want to say it was twice as heavy, right? Because that makes me feel better. So when I'm going out, I get about a quarter of the way up, and I've got to stop. Because I'm, you know, I'm out of breath, and the dog is looking at me like, what did you bring me on this trip for? You know, she's got four-wheel drive. And I'm sitting here thinking thoughts like, if I fall over backwards on this hill with this pack, I'm going to be like a turtle. I'm not going to be able to get up. <laughs> you know, and by the time I got about halfway up, the dog is looking at me like, you're going to have to carry me, bud. <laughs> and I'm looking at the dog and thinking, there's no way. <laughs> and and about three quarters of the way up, I'm thinking... Okay, well, if I pick up the dog, maybe I can leave the pack. And I was seriously considering, what can I leave behind out of my pack? And, and my stops to rest and all were getting more frequent, and they were getting longer, and the dog was madder at me, and I was madder at the dog. And it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to make it out with everything I had. Um, but I did. And when we came around the corner on the trail and I saw the truck, that was one of the prettiest sights I've ever seen. And I go up to the to the truck and I open the door and I look at the dog and the dog looks at me and said, You gotta put me up in there you know. She wasn't jumping. And so I did. I picked her up and put her up in there and and uh, I, she slept the entire way home so about two days after. I won't tell you what I did. But have you ever been in, in a place where you weren't sure if you were going to keep on going? And you had to somehow make yourself keep going? And it's not just with physical stuff, right? It, it hits us in every area of life. It hits us with finances and jobs and marriages and parenting and, and schoolwork and getting the paper done and you, you name it. We hit those places where, where we're confronted with a choice about what are we going to do. And it is very tempting at times to give up. And we've all done it at some point. All right. The passage that we just read a little while ago from Isaiah, Isaiah 50, uh, it's, it, it's talking about someone who was suffering, um, it, it's, Considered a a prophetic portion of the scriptures that was really talking about Jesus who would come about 600 years later and that it was descriptive of what Jesus would go through. We're going to look at at it real quick, but this is what it says in there that I wanted to point out The, the, the writing says I offered my back to those who beat me. And my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. Now ladies, I don't know what, what y'all think about that. Guys, I hope you've never gone through that. That was a kind of a common way to humiliate and, and subjugate people at the time. It's plucking out the beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Now... We know that some of this happened to Jesus. The the beating. We know the mockery happened. We know the spitting happened. We don't know about the beard. None of the biographies that we have of Jesus by the eyewitnesses said that that happened. But it might have. It might not have. Right? Uh, but it was common at the time. So. Or it wasn't uncommon, I guess. is a better way to put it. So it may have happened to Jesus. But the point is. If you ever get in a spot like this, metaphorically, if you ever get in a spot, most, most of the time, I think people today have the reaction of, God, why did you let this happen to me? Don't you care? Where are you? If you're even thinking about God at all. And what I wanted to point out is that's not how the suffering servant chooses to act. They're beaten, their beards pulled out, they're mocked, they're spit upon, but these are the words that surround that. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Wait a second, you're the one being beaten. You're the one being kicked and spat upon. You're the one that it's all coming down on. Yeah, but God's told me how to comfort the weary. Who thinks like that, right? Morning by morning, He wakens me and opens my understanding to His will. What? How can you be talking about his will when this stuff is happening to you? Oh, but God is so gracious. He speaks to me. He, he, he talks to me about who he is and, and, and what he wants. Because the sovereign Lord, the, the, the suffering servant says, because the sovereign Lord helps me. And, and a lot of us would look and say, what do you, God is not helping you. Look at where you are. And he says, no, 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 no. You have it wrong. Because the Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. You won't be disgraced. You'll be mocked. People are spitting on you. Oh, I'm not disgraced. God God won't have me be disgraced. Do you, do you see the... This is almost like poetry here, right? How can this be? Because... All this stuff is happening to them, and they're saying, oh, but God has my back. And then they say, therefore, I have set my face like a stone. I'm determined to do his will. Who thinks like that? Jesus says, and we're supposed to grow up and become that mature ourselves, right? This is supposed to be how we think. And he goes on. I know I will not be put to shame. How confident is this person? How confident should we be in the midst of whatever we're facing? He who gives me justice is near. What? What's happening to you isn't just, oh yeah, but the one who gives justice, right coming around the corner. Who, and then I love this, who will dare to bring charges against me now? Because he's coming. What? They're bringing charges against you. They're beating you, they're, you know. Oh no, my deliverer is close. The focus here that that this suffering servant has is not his situation. The focus that he has is on God who delivers. See, the servant says, The sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. They won't be destroyed by a fireball from heaven. They're just going to waste away over time. Can you imagine having this kind of confidence in the God who delivers? A lot of, a lot of, you, now, a lot of you have been in church a long time. Our God is mighty to what? Save. 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 He is our deliverer. He is not our God who is mighty to keep us from getting in bad situations. That's not His name. He's the God who is mighty to save when you're in bad situations. There's something about, about God that while He does protect and does keep things from coming close. You know, not everything is kept out of our lives. If you become a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you, you, you ever consider it? Don't consider it because you think your life is going to be great from then on. That's not how it works. Christians face awful things. They face things that cause grief and they face things that... It's awful. It's bad. It's not as bad as you, what you may be facing now. Because God does protect, and God does intervene, and God does... But don't think that it's going to be easy street if you become a Christian. I just want you to know, I wanted, I feel like it's fair to disclose that. But, God is a God who saves. God is a God who brings justice. God is a God who delivers. God is a God who does not forget God is a God who walks with in spite of. That's who He is. I think a lot of us wouldn't have been able to write it. We'd write, The woe is me, for God has abandoned me. But this, this is challenging. It's challenging to me. The writer of Psalm 116 writes of being close to death. And I don't know if it's metaphorical or actual. In a way, it doesn't matter. But he wrote, the cords of death entangled me. Now, metaphorically or actually, some of you may be like, Yeah, I, I've been there. I either was about to die or I felt like I was about to die. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Now again, this is somebody who who knows of the Lord. I was overcome. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Save me. Oh, Lord, save me. That's a powerful prayer. The almost does what a lot of us might do. Calls out to God. Based on what I know of you, oh God, save me. Save me. Help me. Those are powerful prayers that don't go overlooked by God. No matter how bad it gets, God is able. And God will ultimately redeem. And the psalmist goes on to say that's exactly what happened. You, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death. You have delivered my eyes from tears. You've delivered my feet from stumbling. I was near death. I was in tears. I was stumbling. God is not a God that keeps the awful things from happening. He keeps some. There is protection. He does have His hand upon us. uh, When... But it's not an inoculation against everything. God is a God who delivers. Now, if we call out to God, will we always get what we want? No, we won't. If we did, if we always got what we wanted, we'd never die. I'm talking about this side of heaven. I have no idea what would happen in football games. (laughs) Because both sides are, you know, praying for their team. I don't know what would happen. I have no idea. Would we get justice or mercy? Oh, we want both. I want justice when you've done it to me. I want mercy when I've done it to you. You want justice when I've done it to you. What happens? I don't know. You don't always get what you ask for. Don't always get what you want. But still, God is not unknowable. God is not without compassion. God is not without power. God is always the same. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. And He will be the same and forever. That's who he is. God is a God who saves. Now Jesus taught his disciples to pray for healing. He taught them to cast out demons. He taught them to do miracles. He sent them out two by two to do it. Did they do it? Yes. Did they believe that that they were empowered to do that? Yes. Wasn't their power? It was his. You know. And they they sent them out. They had great success. But in the account from Mark nine that we read today, they were praying for somebody who needed healing, needed something cast out, and did it happen no, no. Jesus had to do it when he came back. now, I want you to know know something you you've you know this this whole account but I want you to notice that when Jesus comes back and he's got the power, he's got the authority, he says it and it happens, right? When it happens, does it get better immediately? No. In fact, it gets worse. Jesus tells the spirit to get out. The spirit screams and then threw the boy into another violent convulsion before it left. And then the boy appeared dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. These are people, they knew what dead people looked like. Said he's dead. Sometimes, folks, I'm telling you, when you call upon God and and, and say, oh, save me. And God starts to work in it in a new way because you've invited him in. It can get worse. Don't be surprised that when God starts working in your life, you look and say, That's worse. I don't think it really is worse, but it sure does look that way, doesn't it? Oh God, I'm having this awful time with my boss who wants me to do illegal things. Oh God, help me and deliver me. I got fired. (laughs) Thanks, God, you know. Okay. But, y'all, this is reality. When God works in your life, sometimes you look at it and wish He'd kept out. But don't let that sway you. God knows better. He sees farther down the road than you do. Okay? Okay. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. I don't know if he was really dead or not, or if he just looked like it, but it looks bad sometimes. Now, later on, the disciples asked Jesus why they couldn't do it. Because they'd done it before. Jesus had celebrated with them when they'd gone out and done it. They knew they could do it. This was like, you know, oh, he needs healing? Yeah, we got this. It's like I picture Barney Fife in my head. Yeah, you know. We can do it. And they come and they're like, oh, it just gets worse and nothing happens. And so they come to Jesus. They're like, wait a second. We've done this before. You told us to do it. You gave us power. What happened? Why couldn't we do it? and Jesus replies this kind can only be cast out by prayer what do you think they were doing well maybe maybe they were doing it in themselves i personally my perspective on you don't have to agree with me on this okay my perspective on it is they weren't doing anything any different than what they'd done before. I don't think the problem was with their belief or what they said and did, or, you know, that they thought they could do it instead of this is God doing it through it. Personally, I just don't... You can believe that, that this, that isn't doctrine or anything. Uh, Matthew... When, he, when Matthew writes his biography of Jesus, he talks about this very same incident. And he tells it a little bit differently. He emphasizes a little bit different things. Uh, this, is, this is how Matthew talks about it. Matthew says that Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Because you have so little faith. Now, Jesus didn't mean because you don't believe right. Right. He doesn't mean because you don't think you can do it. He doesn't mean any of that. You know, that's often taught because we don't understand what Jesus was saying. You may want to write this down in your Bible. Don't write in ours, please. But you may want to write this down in your Bible. Faith equals faithfulness. Faith equals faithfulness. We think faith is what happens between your ears. That you have to have the right theology and think about it and you know have the right perspective faith equals faithfulness it's it's yeah it's important to to have the right things going on up here but the real test is what's going on out out here what are you doing with it so if if we substitute he says because you have so little faithfulness how does that change your understanding of this You have such little faithfulness. If you were faithful, it would have been different. Huh? What? Keep at, Keep at it. This wasn't Jesus saying, You don't believe the right things. They believed the right things. They were trying to do it like He told them to. Jesus wasn't saying, Your theology's messed up. He wasn't saying that. He was saying you gave up. You quit praying too soon. You should have kept on praying, keep at it. This isn't magic. You you know this isn't you cast a spell and woohoo there it is. You got to work at this stuff. I tell you the truth. If your faithfulness is a, even as small as a mustard seed. Mustard seed, you know, very small, tiny, little grain of sand kind of seed. He says, but if if you're faithful like that, what does that mean? That means the mustard seed starts out really tiny, but it's faithful. Not because it believes the right stuff, but because it doesn't give up. And that little tiny seed doesn't give up. It keeps on growing. And it comes out of the ground. And it doesn't give up. And it keeps on growing. And it, and it doesn't give up. And it grows even more until it's the largest tree in the whole garden. That's what faithfulness should look like. Faithfulness doesn't give up. If you're faithful like that, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it'll be done. Because you don't give up. I think that between Mark and Matthew, neither one of them got it wrong. But it takes Mark and Matthew for us to understand what Jesus was saying. Hey guys, first of all, when you're in a tough situation, you got to pray. you got to pray. You have to seek God. Nothing happens without prayer. Prayer's your extension cord to the power of heaven. And when you pray, don't give up. I used to think, uh, I'll pray once and then I'll stop. And God was like, okay, I'll play along with you for a little while. I mean, that's good. You're trying to show you your faith in me. I get it. That's good. The longer you don't, the more you think, okay, I'll play along. But I think God starts to teach and says, you know, I'd rather have you in conversation with me. I'd rather have you dependent on me. I'd rather you know that you're walking with me through this. So keep on praying, don't give up. The overall message is Jesus told his disciples, you gave up praying too soon. James said, if you're going to be faithful, it requires actions. Faithfulness doesn't happen up here. Faithfulness happens when the marriage is tough. Faithfulness happens when you're not sure if you'll make payroll. Faithfulness happens when it's going to take a few all-nighters faithfulness happens when they aren't getting well faithfulness happens in the midst of the struggle that's where faithfulness happens Faith by itself is not accomplished if it's not accompanied by action is dead it's useless it's not doing what it should be doing. Someone says, you have faith? I've got deeds. Hey, you have to have both. Show me your faith without deeds? You can't do it. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith just, that just sits between your ears doesn't help you at all. Other people should be able to see it, understand it, know what you're about. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faithfulness is observable. Belief isn't. Faithfulness is observable. Belief isn't. So, when you're facing those times that make you want to give up, what you believe is important because hopefully your belief encourages your actions. And what you do is of utmost importance. Don't give up. Pray. Seek the Lord. Call out to Him. Don't stop. He is a God who saves. He is good all the time and all the time. He is good. It doesn't mean you get what you want. I want the Bulldogs to win. I don't care what the other team is praying for, right? Right? You might not always get what you want, but you will have what you need. Pray and don't give up. A couple of good Anglicans here. John Wesley. God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Papa John Stott. Anybody know Papa John? Prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God. Or bending His will to ours. doesn't work that way, y'all. But it's the prescribed way of subordinating our will to His. As you pray, you'll come to know Him better and want what He wants and see it from His perspective and know when He delivers you. Because He is a God who saves Don't give up. Always pray. Amen.